On this episode of ResiWeek, Snap AV buys Access Networks, ProSource's new lighting showroom and certifications, and air-gapped microwaves with voice control. All this and more on this episode of ResiWeek. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 275, Air Gap Popcorn. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Just Add Power, the global leader in video over IP solutions with systems that give you easy installation, unmatched scalability, and outstanding performance. Welcome to this episode of Resi Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott, for avnation.tv. And this week, I'm pleased to be joined by four of my close friends. First, we have Mr. G. Paul Heiss. He's the Chief Product Officer at Snap AV. How are you doing, G. Paul? Doing fantastic. Thanks for having us. Thank you for being here. Then we have Bryce Nordstrom. He is the CEO of Access Networks. How are you doing, Bryce? Doing great, Matt. La- well, then we've got Jason. It's a big show today. Then we've got Jason Nod. He is the Chief Content Officer at CE Pro. What's up, Jason? Last but least. Nice to be here. You're not last. I know. Henry's last. No, I'm, I'm least. <laughs> Henry, no, you're not least. You're just last. Uh, Mr. Clifford, he is the president of Livewire and the co-founder of Parasol. How you doing, Henry? Hey, Matt. Great to be with you guys today. Thank you all for joining us. As I said, we've got a big show because we've got big news. Uh, this filtered out. I, I'm trying to think when I saw this. I feel like it was maybe Wednesday I started to hear some rumbles. It, it was Wednesday. That was public, yes. So maybe I heard it Tuesday. I heard something and I, I reached out to a couple of people and heard some stuff. <laughs> this is coming to us from CE Pro. Snap AV has acquired Access Network's Obviously, fairly big news. Access Networks has been the darling of the residential network market. Uh, I didn't even get a smile from Bryce out of that, just so everyone knows. He didn't even smile at the (laughs) darling comment. Um, But they really have. They have revolutionized the way the residential channel deals with networking. So for both companies, this is a massive deal. G. Paul, let let me start with you on this. As I said, this this is a pretty massive deal for both companies. Now, you've already got two networking brands uh, solutions under the Snap AV umbrella. You're adding a third. I will happily argue that these are not the same things. But tell us a little bit about why you you guys pursued access and, and what it adds to your brand portfolio. Well, clearly, the uh, Access Networks team is the best in the business. And as we think about our portfolio, we uh, we look at what we call a product screen internally. And so we zoom out and we look at all the uh, the applications. We look at the markets we serve and the partners that are operating those markets and their needs. And we've seen uh, predating COVID, of course, COVID only amplified the need for a, a more stable network. Uh, we all are seeing more devices in the homes and the businesses that just proliferate. And we've all seen a, a need for a higher level experience uh, for design and support services, configuration services, and ongoing support. So as I mentioned on that product screen, as we zoom out, there is clearly a place for um, Arachnus and PackEdge. And, and, and I'll be the first to admit, there's some overlap in those two brands and we will continue to 
differentiate those two brands uh, as we go, go through different product cycles. But Access Networks really is the, uh, the, uh, the capstone, if you will, of the uh, portfolio. And that's you know, there for partners who uh, want only the best, have applications that demand the best, or need support uh, designing, configuring, and delivering the best. Yeah, that's fantastic. Bryce, this is uh, a fairly big deal for you and, and for Haggai and the, the whole team there at Access. What, is it, what does it mean? What, what do you forecast? What do you see going forward as really a, a tight-knit company is now joining a, a significantly larger company that, I don't want to say there's, there's different, um, you know, personas within, the, within those two different companies, but things things will kind of change a little bit. How how does Access maintain uh, what what people have come to love about Access as you work with a, a bigger company now? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess you know the first thing is the only thing really constant is change, right? I mean, that's that's pretty much what we see in our industry every day is that things mm-hmm. are are constantly evolving, changing, and we've got to look at how we can meet the market and and meet the demand and you know kind of think outside the box sometimes. And I think that's what in this scenario with with snap and with access networks that's a little bit of what's going on because obviously they had the two brands already and and how do how do they provide the best possible solutions for for their uh dealer base and this is one of the ways to to continue that commitment um but as far as like the internal side of it and what what it means for our team uh you know i'm over the last few months going through all the different conversations we had with the snap team um and seeing the culture uh, at the different levels in the organization as we started to interface more and more regularly. Uh, I'm, I'm very confident in the fact that uh, our team will blend in very well um, with the SNAP organization as a whole. Uh, yeah, we have a very tight-knit team. And the reality is in the next you know bit of time, whether that's a year, 18 months, that's really not going to change. Our team is mm-hmm. going to stay very focused on what its core mission is, which is managed services, providing clients and uh, dealers the best possible solutions on the network perspective. Uh, and as we start to integrate, uh, we hope to, you know, we'll bring some of that culture in from Snap, but we'll also be looking to push some of our culture into Snap uh, mm-hmm. because uh, we, we bring a lot of uh, very smart, talented people to the table um, and they're all anxious to, to make a mark and, and, and show how what we've done in the past can be, you know, filtered into the rest of the Snap organization. So I have no doubt in my mind that uh, this is going to be a successful partnership um, and, and very, very good for the integrators as a whole as far as what the, the services and product roadmap looks like moving forward. Yeah, that's awesome. Jason, you, you obviously covered this. You wrote this article specifically. What does this mean to the, the network uh, landscape within the channel as a whole? Does this, does this technically change something? Does it change anything? Um, I don't know that it changes anything, but it'll be interesting. You know, you look at what Snap has successfully did with Control 4 and Sunbright, just a couple of brands that they did acquire, and they were able to take what was, you know, niche niche brands and really expose them to a much broader base of integrators. Although Control 4, I wouldn't necessarily call it niche, but it but it actually certainly got exposed to many more integrators than it was before. And I'm certain they're going to probably do the exact same thing with with Access Networks. Um, and, you know, it's funny because, you know, Snap AV people, the first thing I'm hearing from everybody is, oh, Snap's becoming the Amazon of the industry. And and you hear that and it's, 
there's some good things, you know, and I don't know if they're saying that positively or negatively, but think about it. Amazon is the one-stop shop, you know, and, and that's a, that's pro and they're known for their service. So that's probably a good thing on the, on the flip side, you know, Amazon is basically a margin eater and snap certainly does not have that as their mantra, you know? So, um, I think there's, there's, they're, they're going to take the good parts of that, that, um, label and and then also continue with their same element that you know access network certainly isn't at the low end of the spectrum in any way shape or form that's going to have its margin eaten by something yeah as soon as you mentioned amazon i was like is that a bad thing like i get it but man prime free delivery next day i like it <laughs> take note mr clifford let, let's wrap this story before we move on with you from the from the the dealer side from the integrator side does this change anything for you? Does this does this news, if it's something where you're an Access Networks dealer today, but we, you're not a Snap dealer, does that change your relationship with that vendor? If you were uh, a Snap AV, but not an Access Network, and now you have potentially uh, some, some easier access really to that, no what, does it change anything? We were able to submit a design to Access, they put it together, and we sold our first $40,000 network. And and that was the beginning of a relationship where we just, we never looked back. And Access Networks became this confidence booster for us. And in the industry where there's almost gonna be level one, level two certifications, there's, there's gonna be folks who make it to really advanced technical status in-house. But not many companies out there are gonna hire Cisco certified network administrators or uh, other resources like that in-house. So, you know, this hearing about this access deal and the pairing with Snap, uh, and, and I'm I'm in this call right now with, with two guys who bailed us out of sticky situations as as, as an integrator, as a dealer with, with Bryce mm -hmm. and with both with Gpal, right? And just seeing their approach towards service and support, I can only imagine amazing things are gonna come from that. So that that's just where I sit as you know running running one of these integration businesses I, I couldn't be happier about it all right gentlemen let's move on to our next story of the day this comes to us from a residential systems ProSource is opening a new lighting technology and learning center at the Dallas Market Center uh, this is a full-on uh, showroom that's showing both landscape and in-home lighting and it will be where they run their certification program we, we we talked about that on a, a previous episode bryce let me let me start with you on this lighting is one of those verticals that continually gets talked about within this channel uh i would argue that it's something that kind of gets thrown at the wall for a lot of dealers of hey we'll, we'll we'll look at this lighting thing if it works we'll start doing it if it sucks we'll just bow out of it is this approach of having a, a major, you know, kind of vendor buying group company uh, putting together a huge showroom, putting together a two-tier training system, is that the really the the only true approach to get most integrators into the complex world of lighting design? I don't know if it's the only true approach, but it's a good one. Um, and the reason why I say it's a good one is because <clears throat> there's a lot that goes into lighting design and actually fulfilling what the promise is to the end user. And I think, you know, 
one of the things that as an integrator in past years, one of the things that always, you know, drove me to make decisions around what I was doing with my showroom and was going somewhere and looking at the what ifs. Mm -hmm. And and if you don't have any example of what the what ifs are, meaning you don't have any go place to actually experience it, and you know, the experience center is thrown around a lot, right? So if you don't have if you don't have a place to go experience it, then how do you know what you can either even take just a little bit of that special sauce and put it into your own world and, and make a difference and an impact on how you're gonna to go to market and how you're gonna capture clients and how you're gonna retain clients and so on and so forth. Um, so I think that's the smart and that's what, I think that's the smart thing about this is the, is the experience that you can create for the dealer just to see what all of these things look like and how they interact with your life and, and what that looks like from, from a homeowner's concept um, the other thing about this that I think is very smart is actually backing it up with certifications. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of times where you see experience centers and other manufacturers have done those, but, but they don't really tie the educational side into it. So the dealer goes and says, oh, I got all these great things I can go put in my showroom. And then they get back to their showroom and they're like, well, how do you do it? You know, so how do I, how do I actually put this thing in and actually make it make sense? And we can go out and sell it and install it in an effective and efficient way. And I think that's the big difference here is that they've added this, this complete education package around it so that you're not only showing them the what ifs, but you're also giving them the how to's. And when yeah. you put those two things together, I don't know how you don't win with that. Yeah, I like it. Jason, you and I have talked about uh, the, the lighting aspect of the business quite a few times now. This is a, a, another big move um, by a, a buying group to really go after lighting hard. Uh, we've seen it with HTSA. Uh, we've seen it with a couple of the other uh, groups as well. Is this that next bar that integrators can really jump on to expand their market? Because this is, I'd argue this is well outside of most integrators' wheelhouse. Yeah, um, I can tell you that... Um talking to the manufacturers they see this right in line with lighting control shading and fixtures just as pro pro prolific as those two categories have become they see fixtures becoming that commonplace amongst integrators the other part of this that's kind of i agree 100 percent with what bryce said that the education part of this is really the the key differentiator there um the other thing that might help even push this category even higher is i'm hearing from many many integrators about wellness and at the mm -hmm. luxury level not at the, the at the at the base level or the rank and file level for their customer base but they're getting already requests about wellness for, at the luxury level of their client base so lighting fixtures and um you know human-centric lighting and all that sort of all those elements is you know arguably right up there with indoor air quality, kind of the key elements that integrators can bring to the market for the wellness standpoint. So having something like this at their disposal, I think will only get bigger because wellness is going to continue to get bigger. Yeah, I like it. Henry, you and I have talked a couple of times uh, in this vein. Um, my biggest pushback anytime I talk to a, an integrator who's dipping their toes in the, the lighting world, whether it's uh, just just automation, lighting control, or whether it's fixture based, is that the the automation side, the lighting control side, is not that far outside of most people's wheelhouses. It's very technical, right? It's matching loads, matching this, matching that. The design of lighting is a totally different world. I would argue that 
with most clients who are willing to pay for designer fixtures that that is the true application of design over function, form over function every time. How do most integrators effectively get into the design aspect of this? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think the way ProSource has attacked it is uh, ho hopefully represents maybe failure over the years at trying to get this to go, as, as you referenced throwing stuff against the wall to see if it sticks. But if you, if you look at who was the driving force behind de designing that lighting training center down in Dallas, it's David Warfel. It's light can help mm -hmm. you. So think of, I mean, to use the, like an access networks analogy, I mean, you, you've got this confidence builder where David Warfel and his team say, hey, all you have to do is introduce the client to us and we'll take it from there. They're an integrator friendly shop. If you say, oh, well, we're a Lutron shop or we're a DMF shop or whatever, David is going to put that bill of materials and that design together and make you look good as an integrator. And so it gives you kind of a, a, a way to go into it, be confident with it, but again, not have to be the, the, the lighting certified guru. And what we've watched a few of our jobs as they've gone by and you learn something new in house each time as you watch these design masters do their thing. And it builds up your confidence so maybe you can go tackle a small job and then a larger job just like we all did when we started our companies to begin with so uh, pro source going the route of partnering with light can help you i feel like is the 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 thing that is going to make it different this time remember yeah, one of the other things that's interesting is that 98 percent of homes have had zero lighting design so even yeah. the minimal amount that the integrator is going to bring to the table for his customer is going to be more than most of their customers have ever encountered before. So obviously at the ultra high end, high net worth, they're going to have uh, have had lighting design, but 98% of homes have had zero lighting design. Yeah, that's very true. G. Paul, let's, let's wrap this story up with you. One of the things I find intriguing about this and and I'm really glad you're here for this, is what steps the, the major manufacturers are taking to really take advantage of some of the fixtures that are out there. You obviously, through, through the control forearm, have a whole lighting control system, platform. We're watching fixtures change overnight. How do you maintain keeping up with, from, from the manufacturing side, keeping up with all of the different changes and the advancements that, that lighting continues to make. Lighting represents a, uh, look, it's an entry point into the smart home and uh, such a key part of these, just the overall experience. And so we are heavily vested uh, with our product team for product managers who understand the space and are constantly doing research. Um, uh, many of our partners you know, receive emails with uh, surveys attached to them for us to learn from a partner standpoint. We're also engaged with uh, um, uh, fixture manufacturers and, and other uh, design elements uh, that, uh, that everybody has, has spoken about today. So, you know, we are, um, we see this as a really key part to the future. It's part of core, it's the core uh, experience to the whole control platform. And, you know, I wanted to go backwards, not to go far, too far back in the conversation, but 
man, this industry just needs more awareness, more education overall to uh, end customers of what we can do. So, you know, we think of these opportunities as just huge opportunities for uh, the end customer to become more aware of, of what's possible and for partners to become more aware of what they can deliver for their end customers. Yeah, that's definitely on point. All right, gentlemen, let's wrap this quickly with one other story that comes to us from Residential Tech Today. Sensory Voice Assistant is offering total user privacy in a Fabriware microwave. Now, before you go off the rails and turn off the show, trust me, this actually somewhat makes sense. If you haven't seen this, it is literally a microwave that has a built-in on-prem closed box air gapped if you will voice control platform so you can say hey microwave bake three potatoes to whatever potatoes get baked to um i find this fascinating jason you've obviously covered the 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 smart home market for years is this not the perfect application for voice for these ridiculous appliances to have something on-prem separate from everything else standalone even is it not the perfect way to do it we we just remodeled our kitchen last year we have a microwave drawer if you ever seen them they're really cool yep but um my old i can't read the buttons they're, they're so small i literally cannot read them and it's down low my wife's short and and so this is like an unbelievably perfect application for us to have in our home. The one thing I want to point out here that, again, I go back to, I think you, you and I have had discussions about the appliance um, business model before, is appliance, the, the business model for appliances is different. You know, the, these are not things that integrators can mark up. So, mm-hmm. and integrators are not going to inventory and carry appliances. Um, so in the way the appliance market works is that the integrator or the designer gets a quote unquote incentive for specifying that appliance in the home, but there's not a markup that is being given to the designer. Designer doesn't have the ability to market up. Integrators don't have the ability to market up. So it's the one thing I'm really skeptical about in the appliance market overall is that the business model Either either the integrator model has to migrate to this incentive program or the appliance business, appliance manufacturers have to understand that there's got to be some margin in their product in order for this to really take off for integrators. So no. that's my soapbox there. I, I get that, and, and I don't disagree with that. Henry, is this not the next time you have a client say, hey, I want my voice platform to turn on my oven? Is this not the direction you'd rather see that go? It makes me nervous because I've never used this product. So I, I, I guess my experience with most technology that's new is that it doesn't work. Uh, and then slowly it starts to work. And then it works a little better and then a little better. So if, if it actually works, sure. Um, and, and I don't mean to sound skeptical, but you know, my, my hesitance in that, I, I guess I look at it as it's an endpoint in the house. It, it interests me from a usability perspective, meaning I, if, if it actually did work, uh, as well as say my voice activated lighting control, yeah, I'd love that. Um, I guess my fear would be um, maybe we're a little early and uh, it, it, it would take a, a, a good while for us to 
associate our name with it because we would look at what's the risk and the reward. What's the reward for us endorsing a voice-activated microwave versus what's the risk? I mean, the reward, Jason just said, there is no reward. There's no financial reward. Maybe we get an attaboy for referring them to the voice-activated microwave. But other than that, I mean, yeah, it it's interesting. It's got a gee whiz factor. As a, as a technologist, I think it's cool. But uh, I, 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 I'm not seeing a path for yeah, integrators should be aware of this kind of should be aware of these kinds of things. But um, I, and, and I think there's a gap where appliance people, um, you, you know, of course, there's obvious exceptions to that. Who are there's some fantastic appliance folks out there who are very forward thinking. But I would imagine there's a gap there as well. But um, yeah, I, I would probably fairly be fairly skeptical looking at something new like that and, and would want to have it in my own house first before I started recommending it. I'm disappointed how negative you are on this, Henry, just so you know. <laughs> I know. I can I hear myself talking and selling my dad right now. G. Paul, does this fit anywhere into the, the Snap AV5 levels of smart home? Absolutely. I think there's really three key parts to this story. There's And two of them are closely related. Uh, there's privacy and security, which uh, is paramount for us. It's one of our guiding principles, and, and uh, we believe in protecting the, the customer, the end, the end customer, with privacy and security uh, through their entire platform, not just voice. Related to that privacy and security, of course, I just said, is, is voice as well, which I am a big proponent of, and we are uh, leveraging internally more and more. It's not the only user interface, but it's one of many, and there are certain experiences in the home that just make sense with voice. So, you know, just a moment ago, we were talking about lighting. Fantastic to be able to experience lighting and shades with voice, um, audio scene control, uh, global macros. These are all things that uh, voice is really a, a great way to interface. And as I said, the, the privacy and, and security standpoint are really key when you offer voice. So. The uh, third component, of course, is smart appliances. And we are seeing an increased um, interest in smart appliances from the manufacturers as we engage with the manufacturers. And of course, in all the stories, and you know, I agree with Jason, in fact, a long time ago in my history, when I was an integrator, I was tied to a really high-end appliance story. And I think it, there's some interesting parallels, but there's also some pretty big differences. It's gonna be incumbent on our industry to integrate with those devices, though. I think uh, at some point, the end customers are gonna expect that integration and uh, regardless if we're selling it or not, uh, we're going to have to have a solution for that. Yeah, very good. I, I'm so glad you brought up the, the security aspect of it because, honestly, that's what I like the most about this. Bryce, as a network guy, and, and you and I have had lots of conversations about network security, is this not the perfect way to get a smart appliance into the house and not have it connect to anything? Like, it sounds just perfect. Yeah, if the, if if you're looking for the ultimate in security, air gap is definitely the way to go. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and, and as far as like Henry's point, I mean, I think the benefit here is hot popcorn. But you know, I, when it comes down to it, I think that uh, that you've got certain um, types of end users that are very concerned with uh, security, and the the issue with manufacturers that that um, build products that don't know, don't normally fit into a smart home uh, scenario is that they have the ability to uh, make some really cool things that you can control with voice or via cloud control, but they're also 
extremely exposed if they're not monitoring those services all of the time. And what that means is that if the, their service becomes a weakness for that company, it could destroy a company. So mm -hmm. in, in some respect for a manufacturer to come out with a, a product like this, or even I'm guessing this is the first one of multiple products that they'll release that have the same functionality, um, and to air gap them in that respect and still provide the same kind of experience, meaning you can control it with your voice. Uh, I think it's a smart play. I think it's, it's going to have legs with a certain type of consumer, somebody that is ultra concerned about privacy. Uh, and as long as there is at some point, maybe some local integration into other systems in the house where, you know, I mean, my big thing, just to give you an example, you know, who doesn't leave clothes in the dryer? past the point when they're supposed to be done. And then you mm -hmm. go, oh, now I gotta turn them back on to get them unwrinkled, right? So I think most people do that, um, not by, by want, but because they get busy doing something else. And I would like to be able to talk to something in my room that I'm in now and say, can you turn the dryer back on for 20 minutes, but also not make sure that the dryer manufacturer is not the one that's handling my cybersecurity. So I think that this thing has some potential, um, you know, there's there's both sides of the coin here, um, but but from a from a end user perspective, I think having the choices out there in the market makes a lot of sense. And from a manufacturer's perspective, I think it's a smart move. So so Bryce, would you see that um, the same consumer who wants a connected appliance might be the one the person who wants this microwave, but is he going to want to have all of his other appliances? not connected the same way that this one is he's going to want to wait until they're all symbiotic in some way i'm guessing or is that what you, what you think yeah i think that's going to be the the it's like almost like an internal closed network that just allows you to control these kind of things um i think the the, the biggest challenge that all these manufacturers are going to have is having a good voice engine uh because i remember back in the 90s when a couple of car audio manufacturers came out with voice interface navigation and you couldn't even talk to the thing it was miserable and if, if it's any anything like that you're going to be you know it's going to be hard road for them but if they have a very good partner for their voice engine um i think they can do a lot of really cool things with this and build it into kind of a closed network in the house where you could talk to your dryer in the laundry room and turn your microwave on that'd be pretty cool so i i can't wait to get a viking closed loop voice network for my kitchen there you It'd go fantastic <laughs> Not that I have Viking, but I'd like it. All right, gentlemen, let's wrap it there. Uh, we are out of time. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, G. Paul, if people want to connect with you, learn more about SnapAV, where can they do that? SnapAV.com. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Bryce, my friend, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Access Networks, how can they do that? Uh, AccessNetworks.com or my email, Bryce at AccessNetworks.com. Thank you, sir. Mr. Knott, thank you for joining us. If people want to connect with you or uh, read, connect with CE Pro, et cetera, where can they do that? They can obviously go to cepro.com. We have a CE Pro LinkedIn page, and they can follow me on Twitter at Jason W. Knott. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Mr. Clifford, thank you for joining us. If people want to connect with you, learn more about Livewire or get connected with Paracel, where can they do that? Uh, online at get livewire at get parasol and uh, thanks again matt and uh, it's been great to be here today thank you all again uh, for joining us if you'd like to connect with me you can find me on twitter at matt d scott and pretty much every other social platform but more importantly please visit avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of our other shows with all the verticals that we cover 
When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week. Thank you.